Welcome to The Sweat Room, a podcast of Watermark Wesleyan Church. Get it, got it, give it. Here in The Sweat Room, we dive into today's questions about sports and faith. Really, it was almost exactly 10 years ago. It was wow. the, the week leading up to the draft in 2011 when I first used that term, Bill's Mafia. And actually, it goes back even farther than that because it, it originates uh, in the 2010 season when Stevie Johnson t- dropped a touchdown pass uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers in overtime. I remember that. Yeah, he went on to actually, like, you know, question God in, 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 his, in, in his tweets that night. Wow. And and really kind of made the, the rounds nationally. And now here's your hosts, Noah and Bjorn. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the 57th episode of The Sweat Room. My name is Noah Corston, and alongside my co-host Bjorn Webb, we are so honored and so blessed to have you today for our third week of our Buffalo Bills series featuring the founder of Bills Mafia himself, Del Reed. Del Reed has always been a Buffalo Bills fan his whole life, and they even had a framed picture of O.J. Simpson in the wall of their living room. He's going to talk about that on the podcast, but it came down in 1994. Some of you may re- may remember that Bronco chase. Yeah, that might be why. But Della has always had a passion for bringing people together to celebrate things that they share in common. And as a result, by accident, he ended up co-founding the hashtag Bills Mafia movement among Bills fans and social media, which to this point is the coolest thing that he claims that he has ever happened to him, other than his relationship with Christ, his wife, and his two awesome kids. And he is also the founder of 26 Shirts, a website that sells limited edition t-shirts to benefit local charities and families in need. And he's going to talk about that today, but highly recommend go check out what he is selling at 26shirts.com. Such a fun conversation today with Dell. We hit all different areas of life. We talk about his faith journey, what it's like to be a Buffalo Bills fan, and how he ended up starting Bills Mafia. Such a fun conversation. And does Mr. Bills Mafia himself like going through tables? I don't know. We're going to talk about that on the podcast today. But wherever you are listening, from today. Welcome. We are so honored to have you today. We know that we have listeners in South Africa, Canada, on the other side of the country, in Buffalo, wherever you are listening from today. Welcome. We are so honored to have you. We're a podcast and we are a church based out of Buffalo, New York. We're just a few miles away from Bill Stadium itself. So it's only fitting that we do a Buffalo Bill series right now. And if you're new to our podcast, our motto is get it, got it, give it. We're always in every phase of this, always learning, always teaching, and always applying. We like to say here at the Sweat Room, everybody has a story. It's just a little bit different platform. And we dive into Dell's story today and hearing how God has completely transformed his life and among other things, like I said earlier. And if you you really enjoyed today's episode highly recommend go subscribe rate and review and pass along share it with a friend that would mean a lot and go check us out on social as well at watermark sports on facebook and instagram on twitter it's a little bit different it's at sweat room pod and i highly recommend to get pen and paper out for this episode whether it's a word it's a sentence or it's a whole page that you fill out highly recommend take some notes as you go along and hear a little of dell's story today. But even if you don't, we have a blog at watermarkwesleyan.com slash blog. You can read up more and dive into the episode if you want to check that out there. So without further ado, here's my episode with Del Reed. Bjorn is not joining me today as we're diving into ministry here in Western New York, and it's awesome. So I'm flying solo today with Del. So without further ado, here is my interview with Del Reed. Well, we want to welcome to the sweat room, Mr. Buffalo Bills Mafia himself, Del Reed. Del, thanks for joining me today. 
Hey, thanks for the invite. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, so glad to have you on the Swat Room Sports and Faith podcast. And Dell, I got to start with this question. You know, when people think of Bills Mafia, they think of tables, they think of so many different things. But I got to ask you this question. Have you ever jumped through a table before? <laughs> no, man, I have not. And uh, I'm going to say it's not even on my bucket list. Just uh, the people that know me, they know that's not my personality type. You know, if people <laughs> want to celebrate and get excited for games, you know, in their own way, as long as they're being safe, you know, yeah. by all means. Uh, just be safe about it. But yeah, that's not me, dude. That's not really my personality. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I heard something uh, a while back where you, that's not more of, that's not really your personality, but I had to ask it anyway, because I just think it's so funny. This movement's turned into a lot of tables and a lot of crazy fans getting after it. So that's hilarious. So Del, one of the things that we know about you too, is you're on the, the top two, 200 list of most influential people in Buffalo. How'd you end up on that? And how does it feel to be on that? <laughs> the uh the the business first uh, power 250 or whatever it is yeah yep yeah i don't know dude that's kind of i'm i don't think i ever imagined something like that happening it was you know it was an honor it was very thoughtful you know i mean it means a lot that people think that way um but i'm no different than anybody else you know I've, I've been on the news a few times maybe more than most people but i don't really think of myself that way but you know it's an honor to be to be among some of those names. Yeah, no, I, I know. And it's a long list of names and I believe you're ahead of Thurman Thomas. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Well, I, I, mean, I don't know. See, that's, that, that, that really makes me, that really makes me wonder about their process and <laughs> you know how they're putting these lists together, but I can't imagine, you know, 2022 rolling around and me still being ahead. I think there was a mistake. That's pretty amazing. You're ahead of a a bills legend and an MVP. So that's, that's pretty cool. Del. So Del, I I love, we'll dive into a few things today. One of which is your testimony and kind of how bills mafia started in 26 shirts, but I'd love to start out just with the conversation today. Del, how long have you been a bills fan? And for listeners who are listening, maybe out of state or even out of the country, what would you describe being a Bills fan like? Well, I've been a Bills fan, you know, as for as long as I can remember. I grew up in in, in Tonawanda, and which is a just a northern suburb of, of the city. It Bills have always been a part of my life in one way or another. You know, I always make the joke how when I was growing up, you know, like how some Catholic families have a picture of the Pope on the wall. You know, we had a picture of O.J. Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> It came down. It came down in due time, but yeah, right, right around 1994. But yeah, the, the bills have always been a part of 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 my life, mm. and you know what it means to be a Bills fan. If I think that's what, how you phrase the question. Yep. Um, it's it's being a Bills fan. It, it, I feel like it's different. Obviously, this is the only city I've ever lived in, and uh, this is the only team I've ever been a fan of. So maybe, maybe I'm wrong here, but I'm just going by, you know, my gut feeling here is it's different for Bills fans. I mean, the very fact that the team's logo is an embodiment of our city, you know, with the, the Buffalo, I think that says a lot, the, you know, the bills, you know, sports in general are such a, a big part of the Western New York fabric. Um, you know, 
Bills fans are Western New Yorkers are Bills fans. You know, it's like they're they're synonymous. And, and for the most part, you always got a couple of Yahoos in high school when you're growing up and they like some rando team like the Vikings. Like, dude, why Kyle, why do you like the Vikings? I don't know. I just like the cool logo. Or whatever. But but you know what I mean though? Like everybody's a Bills fan. When the when the season's going on, you you see go Bills signs in every business window, you know, every LED sign out in front, they all have something about, you know, the game that's coming up or or whatever. So it's really as much about being a member of the community at large as it is about, you know, rooting for a specific team. Yeah, no, I love that. There is something different in just being a Bills fan. I'd also ask, like, what what do you think is different about just the city of Buffalo itself? Because I've noticed just in my short time living here, I'm originally from Colorado and coming from Colorado all the way to here. There's a different feel to just Buffalo and just Bills football in general. What what do you think is different about this city as well? What sticks out? Well, I think, you know, in your case, I think you're the exception. You know, I've heard it said that most people don't move to Buffalo. (laughs) (laughs) And so, so many of the people you meet here, they've been there their whole lives. Like this, the city is a representation of who they are because it's a city that is primarily composed of people that are from the area. You know, you go some places, maybe like, you know, the DC, Northern Virginia, uh, all of Florida, you know, so much of it is, is full of transplants. And right. Buffalo is not a community of transplants. Um, it's a community of, you know, lifelong Buffalonians, many generations deep, you know, in terms right. of how long they've, they've had their roots here. Right. No, that I would agree with that. And I just, I, I think the word that comes to mind with Buffalo fans is loyalty. And it's just such a loyal, just city in general and just, yeah, loyal fan base. So, Del, what? D- tell us what is one of your favorite all-time memories being a Bills fan? It's it's tough to say because so many of the games they have they're at, at different points in my life and they're at different points of you know what the franchise was doing at that time. Whether you know, I can tell you it certainly wasn't the six-three Cleveland game in two thousand nine where. <laughs> Derek Anderson completed two passes the entire game and beat the bills. That's certainly not one of them. Oh man. Um, (laughs) No, but I think I'll go with probably one of, you know, my first memories is like really when the team, when the fanhood became my fanhood and not my parents' fanhood um, was when in 1988, Fred Smurlis blocked a field goal kick against the jets and game went to overtime. The bills ended up winning that game. I think it was nine to six. And uh, that was the first time they had clinched the division in, you know, since I think 1980. Wow. And at that time, eight years is a long time. (laughs) Nowadays, Bills fans are like only eight years between divisions. That's not that long, but, but that that was, uh, that was the first time I think I, I noticed the city coming alive, you know, with Bills fandom, like it, like it does when, when they're good. I mean, we're all, like you said, Bills fans are loyal. We're always here. Right. you know, just Bills, Sabres, whenever the team is good, it's the city's got a different vibe. And that, that game, that, that, you know, when they, that was really the beginning of it all, you know, the, the Super Bowl years, that's kind of what kicked it off was winning the division in 1988. Yeah. Um, that is, I, I'll go with that as like my favorite memory, just because that's, my first my first favorite memory i love like, that and, and i love how you don't i feel like a lot of people say the greatest comeback game or any of the four super bowls that one's different that's a different answer and I, I, remind your listeners how old are you and how many generations of of bills football have you seen 
I'm super old. No, I'm <laughs> yeah, some people. No, according to Twitter, I'm probably 110 based on most of the people I interact with. But no, I'm 45 years old. Oh, awesome. My parents are Bills fans. And, you know, my grandfather, who's a Browns fan. Um, so that, that team always has a little bit of a, a soft spot in my heart. Not so much that I ever really root for them, but, you know, if something mm-hmm. goes well for them. I'm, I'm happy for my grandpa. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, no, I'm just a you know, lifelong Bills fan. And it's been, you know, not too long a life, but longer than, than some. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah. My mom's been a Bills fan her whole life. So, and my dad's from Chicago. So I've always grown up um, just paying attention to those teams. I'm, being from Colorado, I'm a, our listeners know I'm a diehard Bronc- Broncos fan, but man, something special is going on here in Buffalo. And I'm excited for what's to come. Super Bowl, possibly. I think it could happen. I think we're finally at that point. I can't believe I'm saying that. So, Del, I'd love you just to talk about how how Bill's Mafia began, because really this started more as a joke with some of your friends and it's just blown up. So tell us, how did Bill's Mafia begin? Yeah, it's a it's a long story. So for the sake of your listeners, I'll I'll try and give a more of a Reader's Digest version. (laughs) But really, it was almost exactly 10 years ago. It was the the week leading up to the draft in 2011 when I first used that term Bill's mafia. And actually it goes back even farther than that because it it originates uh, in the 2010 season when Stevie Johnson dropped a touchdown pass uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers in overtime. I remember that. Yeah. And he went on to actually like, you know, question God in, in, in his, in, in his tweets that night. Wow. And really kind of made the the rounds nationally back then Twitter was still kind of new. Um, everything that was happening on Twitter was kind of happening for the first time. It was like, it was just, you know, it, and the bills were getting national media attention. That's the only way they're getting national media attention <laughs> back then was if a receiver questioned God. Right. And, uh, that season, I think they ended up going four and 12, mm-hmm. you know, but you talk about your, your loyalty. I mean, that, that, that alone shows, you know, we were dialed in, we were paying attention this whole thing, you know, Right. Um, you know, they've always been, the bills have always been on our radar. Right. So um, anyways, he, he goes on Twitter that night, fires off that tweet. And then the next day, Adam Schefter retweeted that tweet and, you know, Twitter behaved kind of differently back then. You could actually see every single time a tweet was retweeted. Now, if one person you follow retweets it, um, you see that retweet, but after that, you don't see it anymore. If more people you follow are retweeting it back then, it was just, you would just keep seeing it over and over again. Yeah. So it was very obvious that Adam Schefter retweeted it like almost a day later, which is weird because Adam Schefter is like the conduit through which almost all information in the NFL gets right. released in one way, shape or form. He knows it all. But, yeah. Right. So it seemed kind of weird. It, it, you know, and Bill's fans were kind of sensitive and maybe oversensitive and <laughs> kind of took that as a slam right or wrong. And so we started teasing Adam on Twitter about his uh, retweeting an old tweet and uh, ended up, you know, like, like I said, long story short, he ended up blocking a bunch of us. And I always promised we weren't being nasty or, or trolly. At least I wasn't. And none of the tweets I saw were like nasty or swearing at him. Yeah. What's he ended up, example? Do you remember any of the tweets that you said? Oh yeah. One of my co-founders, Brian, started this hashtag called hashtag Schefter breaking news. <laughs> so we were tweeting, you know, news events, you know, from the past, like, you know, president Kennedy shot famous actor, prime suspect hashtag, 
Not, uh, I, got, I messed up the Lincoln one with the Kennedy one. You know what I mean? We're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got the yeah. <laughs> but you know what? I, you know what I'm saying? I told this story too many times. Like the brain goes into the uh, the auto mode, but <laughs> things like that. You know, you know, President Lincoln shot famous actor, prime suspect. Hashtag Schefter breaking news. And we just went farther and farther back in time. And uh, like I said, Adam Schefter got annoyed with us apparently and ended up blocking a bunch of us. And so oh, months later, so we, we kind of wore that as a badge of honor a little bit, like semi-sarcastically. Mainly, honestly, I was pretty annoyed that I got blocked because I was missing out on all that information. That, you know, <laughs> but especially since we weren't being like nasty about it. But, it, you know, as much as, you know, I defend Bill's fans for being oversensitive, you know, Adam was probably being oversensitive as well, too. So that's fine. <laughs> so, uh, like I said, fast forward six months or so. Leading up to the draft in 2011, I coined this phrase like Bill's Mafia and describe to describe us. And after that, it just kind of over the next few months, it just really took off. And it, it, it wasn't like I always say Bill's Mafia wasn't built in a lab. It mm-hmm. wasn't something that I was I wasn't trying to create anything. I was making a joke on Twitter and that was <laughs> it. Um, but as it took off, you know, we saw an opportunity to maybe do something positive with it. Yeah. And um, why do you think it took off? Like, what do you, what do you think stuck with Bill's Mafia specifically? I mean, it rolls off the tongue nicely, right? It, yeah. it really does. <laughs> it really does. Um, I, I don't know. And maybe it's maybe it's a little bit of the you know, with you know the Bills for so many years, it felt like we were kind of like the the punching bag for the NFL, both the fans and the team. And so maybe having a little bit of a a hard nosed term attached to it helped. I, I don't know. Yeah. I really don't know why it took off to be honest with you all these years later. And like I said, it wasn't built in a lab. Like I certainly wouldn't have used the term mafia. If I was trying to create something, I would have thought mm, that's a little too, you know, divisive or some people may not like that. Yeah. And you know, even with the term bills, like that's a copyrighted term. Right. So I, I certainly would double down on those. I would not have done that. So um, I don't know. I don't know why it took off, but anyways, it did take off. And then, as time went on, like our social media audience, you know, myself and, and Brian and Leslie, my, you know, two co-founders, you know, two of the main people that were making jokes that day with Adam Schefter way back. Um, like I said, we just saw the opportunity to do something positive with it. That's and cool. we wanted it to be something that represents not us. We weren't, we, we chose not to put ourselves out in front and make this all about us. Cause every time you see something go viral on the internet, the next thing you see is whoever was at the center of that trying to double down on whatever quote unquote fame they might have, right? You know, uh, happened upon. And we didn't want. I didn't want to do that. We didn't want to do that. So uh, we we chose to make it about, you know, Bill's fandom in general and put our fellow fans at the front. You know, we started doing these things on our little blog that we created called Mafia Mondays, mm-hmm. where we would highlight a different fan and just you know tell their history. You know, because we wanted it so much to be. There's so much information about the history of. Western New York or the history of the franchise. We want it to be a history about, you know, we were trying to highlight fans right. and that's just kind of how it all, it just started to snowball. And then over the like past 10 years, it's gone in so many different directions and we've never chosen to make it something that was exclusive. You know, we've always said, if you, if you're a bills fan and you love the bills, you know, consider yourself bills mafia, you know, we didn't, you know, some fan clubs around the NFL and it's totally their prerogative, Yeah, but they charge, like admission fees or to have a little card carrying member, like I'm a member of the, you know, whatever we weren't doing anything like that. Yeah. Uh, And, and so I always joke that, 
you know, I read too many Spider-Man comics, like Uncle Ben said, with great power comes great responsibility. So as this social media audience grew and grew and grew, really felt something, I really felt a, a burden to do something productive with it and not just make it about myself. Right. No, no, that's awesome. And out of that, I think it's, it's so funny and it's funny how God moves too, is you started something where it kind of became a joke, but now it's really your living. And out of that came 26 shirts. How did that start out? Yeah. Yeah. It, it is crazy. dude. <laughs> it's crazy. Like I'm a computer programmer by trade, man. You know, <laughs> uh, I, I never took a marketing class in my life. I, 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 I can't even draw that well, you know, <laughs> in terms of t-shirts and everything. I can't draw that, you know, um, but I've always been a huge t-shirt honk. That's the only way I can, you know, I can describe it is I've just always loved, you know, uh, graphic tees cool. and the, 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 the more punnier, the better, you know? So I remember getting yelled at by my mom when I was in elementary school that I, you can't, she called them novelty tees. You can't wear a novelty tee to school every day. You know, she, wanted, she wanted me to wear stuff with collars and I, have, I always joke. I have a collar allergy. I can't, I can't do that. So <laughs> eventually, eventually she gave up and she was cool. For our listeners listening, he's, he's definitely not wearing a collar shirt, so I can confirm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm true to my brand. I'm true to my <laughs> brand. Um, so anyways, uh, I, so that's always been kind of my de facto, even when Bill's mafia, Bill's mafia, started you know brie i remember him mentioning like what should we do and i was like i don't know why don't we make t-shirts because that's always just like my go-to right yeah and um and, and so anyways as this uh, you know audience continued to grow i wanted to do something productive with it with bill's mafia and people would often reach out to me and ask like hey can you you know retweet this or can you share this or you know or whatever because we had this growing you know, audience is, you know, thousands of people and stuff on social media. Right. And so I'd always ask them like, what is it? Cause I want to know what I'm sharing I, before I just, just give a blind retweet. I want to understand a little bit about the motivations behind it. Why somebody's doing, you know, are you just trying to use our platform so you can sell some football cards or something that we're not doing that. So anyways, this guy reaches out to me in late October, 2013. So at this point, Bill's mafia is around two years old and he reaches out to me and he says, Hey, I've got this autographed Mario Williams jersey that I won from Summer Sanders. Wow. You know, I want to, and I'm raffling it off. You know, would you mind sharing it? And so I'm not really Mr. Memorabilia guy myself personally, um, but I can understand how cool it would be to have an autographed Mario Williams jersey. And back in the day, he was legit. Yeah, which in 2013 was a big deal. Big and deal. And to have won it from Summer Sanders, who is a gold med- uh, gold medal Olympian swimmer, who's a Bills fan. Like that's that's okay, that that that's got a story to it now. So right. So I asked him. The guy's name is Scott. I said, "All right, Scott. So like, why are you trying to get rid of this? Like, talk to me. You know." And he goes on to tell me about how his daughter is two years old and has a condition called retinoblastoma, which is basically eye cancer. Wow. He had already had one eye removed and she was having chemotherapy applied directly to the other eye in hopes of saving it. Mm. And Scott and his family, they were from Olean. They had since they had moved to North Carolina. So they're in North Carolina now. Mm. She was getting treatment at Sloan Kettering in wow. New York City. And they had to go like, I think like every six weeks or something to to either get the treatment or get it looked at or whatever was going on at that time and and her appointment schedule. And so I'm reading this, this guy's story. And I, you know, I've, I have two daughters and 
he's got two daughters and I'm just reading. I'm just like crying, just putting myself in this guy's shoes. I'm like, yeah, no problem, dude. I'll retweet your tweet. I'll show you your raffle. No big deal. <laughs> and um, I said, not only that, next time I do some kind of, you know, whatever promotion, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you the money from it. And cause even the people don't understand, even the best insurance in the world doesn't cover travel expenses. Right. You know, you know, a lot of times people are lucky to be able to use something like Ronald McDonald house or, or something like that, but they don't always have their lodging covered. Mm. They don't have meals covered like that. That's, <laughs> and then on top of that, not only is money going out the door, oftentimes money's not coming in the door because you know, parents have to take off of work and sometimes quit their jobs or at the very least take unpaid, you know, leaves of absence to support their kids. And so I just, you know, I saw this, this need, not just with, with Scott and his daughter, Amber, you know, and their, their need, but just overall, I was aware of, of seeing these things. I mean, growing up in Western New York, you know how it is, at least when there's no COVID stuff going on like every weekend the fire hall's got a different benefit to support this family or this kid or there's just there's there's, great fans yeah yeah well there's there's so many though like it's just the community in general is like there's so many benefits there's always a benefit going on we're doing a benefit for joe's whatever if you can't go you buy raffle tickets or whatever just josh allen's grandma too and stuff like that like yeah different things Yeah. yeah and 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 so I'm totally losing my train of thought here. I apologize to to you and to the listeners. No, like, sorry, no, I, I totally interrupted you. Yeah, no, you're good, man. No, it's, I, I was I was going off the rails long before you interrupted me. No, it's so. Um, um, but anyway, so I'm reading this. I'm reading Scott's story. I said, yeah, no problem. I'll share your I'll share your your raffle next time. I can raise money. I will uh, to help you out. And then I had already been kind of toying around with this idea of selling t-shirts that were timely in terms of what was going on with the team. So mm-hmm. if a player made an interception or not even the team, but the city in general, or if something cool was happening in the city, if I could do a design that would, you know, maybe capitalize on that. So it was super timely. It wasn't just some generic, like, yay, Buffalo football, but you know, <laughs> something that reflected a very recent event. That's something that I wanted to do. And this kind of kicked it in high gear for me. So I'm, I was reading this guy's email. On, I think it was, I think it was on a Monday. And then Monday nights, I used to go to this like men's Bible study accountability group cool. uh, with a bunch of friends. And I'm telling my friends about this story and that this idea I'm mulling over. And I said, I want to sell a different shirt like every week and I can help a different family because I know there's the need is great. Mm. Um, and I, you know, I, I just really feeling like this is what I'm supposed to be doing now. And, uh, like my buddy Jake looks, well, before I say that they, they, they were kind enough <laughs> to back me off a little bit. Like, listen, yeah. you got a full-time job, you're married, you got two kids. You can't be doing a shirt every week. You're going to go crazy trying to handle all this stuff. I said, all right, but I think I could do it every two weeks, but I wouldn't want to do it any, you know, any less than that because I want these designs to be timely. Um, I think I can do a different shirt every two weeks. And then Jake looks at me and he says, dude, that's like 26 shirts <laughs> in the span of a year. Cause I was talking about doing a one year project and I, I tell him, I say, yeah, I know, but I think I can pull it off. So the next morning, uh, and I, the only way I can describe it is, uh, it's as if it was something physical staring me in the face when I opened my eyes, like this term 26 shirts. Like it was just like right at the forefront of everything I was 
I couldn't escape it. So, mm-hmm. you know, luckily it's a weird enough name. Nobody had the URL. Nobody had the, the Twitters or the Facebooks or Instagrams or anything like that. So I was able to register all that stuff. And then I, I did what I call my Jerry Maguire moment. If you've ever seen that movie. Show right? me the money. No, not show me the money. (laughs) (laughs) No, man, no. He writes up this mission statement at the beginning or this, this, I forget what he calls it exactly. I reference this in almost every time I tell a story. So I should rewatch the movie so I can. Yeah. yeah. But he, he basically puts out this uh, memo. that talks about how his business should be, their business should be representing athletes better and doing whatever, you know, basically put something out there and was immediately accountable to it. Yeah. And he ended up getting fired from his job. I didn't get fired from my job, but um, I put it out there on, you know, on my blog and immediately started getting like responses from people. Cause the way I wrote the post was we need basically people to design the shirts. Mm-hmm. I explained my idea about doing a one-year community service project to help people in need in the community cool, or related to the community. And I said, we're going to need artists. We're going to need people with ideas. You know, we're, you know, all these different things. Like this is going to be a crowdsourced kind of campaign that we're going to do. And I want all of us to do this together. Sure. And so I put it out there and then, then the news calls me and they want to do an interview and everything, which is kind of, it was crazy. And a local t-shirt company reached out to me and said, Hey, who's printing your shirts? I'm like, yo, I haven't got that far yet. All I do is put, <laughs> put an idea out on the, my blog. And, uh, he said, well, can we produce them? I'm like, yes, absolutely. So now, you know, I was, I was really excited to have a local Buffalo t-shirt company doing these shirts right. for people in the community. I just wanted it to be like a really like as grassroots as possible. Hmm. So then fast forward a few days, I'm doing an interview with, with Spectrum News. I'm like, oh yeah, the site's going to launch Monday and it's going to help this little girl who has retinoblastoma and, you know, look for the site and 26 shirts.com and we're gonna be ready to go. At that point, I did not have the design ready. <laughs> I didn't have any design yet. I didn't, sure. I'm a web developer by trade. So I didn't have the site built yet, but I was confident that I'd be able to help get that put together. Yeah. Um, and just, uh, just, I knew it was gonna, I just kind of knew it was gonna happen. It, like, you know how like sometimes like you just, you just know like yeah. things are moving, like this is gonna get done. And get a sense of peace about it. Yeah, it's, 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 it's happening. I'm just kind of almost like along for the ride. Sure. <laughs> You know, a uh, design came in on Saturday, two days before we launched, got it all ready to go and wow. had, had the website built uh, on top of the shirt companies, you know, their own web front end. And we launched and we sold 98 shirts to help Amber. And wow. it became apparent really early on that this might be something more than just a one-year community service project. Wow. So right before we went live, I tacked on, you know, volume one, shirt one, instead of just wow. shirt one, it just, and if there's one volume, there's one volume and that's it. You right. Know? <laughs> it, like I said, it just took off from there, man. That was 2013. And then, um, you fast forward a couple of years, 2015, I ended up getting laid off from my job at Roswell. And I always tell my wife, I promise it wasn't cause I was doing a bad job. <laughs> it's not because I was spending too much time on t-shirts. Yeah. I used to joke back then. Like it's amazing how much you can do if you don't sleep. Um, <laughs> But I ended up getting laid off, and I, you know, I had the option at that time to uh, post for another position. But the the shirt company that was, you know, handling all the shirts, I'd gotten really close with them the, those couple years, just doing it all. You know, not getting any money out of it. I just wanted this thing to work, right? And and they were giving as much as they could 
you know, to, to the families. Cause Dan, the, the owner was, he's like, he's very like-minded when it comes to this stuff with me in terms of giving back the shirt company originally was based on Tom's shoes where you buy a pair of shoes and they give a pair of shoes. Yep. So it used to be, you buy a shirt and they would give a shirt. Um, and, uh, so anyways, at that point, Dan said, Hey, listen, don't post for another job. I want to bring you on as a 50% owner in the business. Cause at that point, 26 shirts had almost taken over everything t- you and who was doing. Wow. He said, I want to bring you on as a 50% owner in the business. Just give you half the business. You know, you've got the sweat equity, you've been working on it for, for two years, you know, let's, let's do this. So I talked to my wife and there, there's a whole story there in terms of how that went down in terms of how God was just completely in the middle of it, yeah. all of it. But you, you have ever, you can talk about it if you want. Well, all right. So I got laid off from Roswell and I, Called my wife at that point. She was in New York city with the kids. This is August, 2015. Wow. And she was, uh, on a road trip with my sister-in-law and her kids, like an all girls road trip. And one of the stops was in New York city. Wow. And so I call, I call Chrissy. I'm like, Hey, listen, we got to talk. And she's like, I'm at the nine 11 Memorial. I can't talk right now. And, and I, and I'm like, you need to step away. We have to talk. <laughs> and so the way, you know, if she were here to tell the story, her end of it. So here she is, you know, at the nine 11 Memorial and realizing that there's so much, things are so much bigger than just, you know, her husband's job. Right. Um, and she knew that, you know, I was driving to work every day, uh, feeling like I was driving to the wrong building. Like, you know, at that point I was like, I, like, I just felt so calm. Like I should be doing the shirt thing, wow. not the, not the programming thing. And Roswell was great. Like, it's not that I wanted to leave there. I just knew that right. I ha- I was supposed to be doing this. And so getting laid off from there was like a gift. I get a lot of credit sometimes for, for quote unquote, leaving Roswell to do this. And I always joke. I don't, it sounds negative. I don't mean it negative. But like Roswell left me. I didn't leave Roswell. <laughs> <laughs> and like I said, I could have posted for another position, yeah. but um, the way the union works and everything, but, you know, speaking with my wife, I was like, I, this, I'm supposed to be doing this. I, I'm, I'm, I have to, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I was made to do this. This is what I'm supposed to be doing right now. So we had to talk with our kids and explain to them that, you know, dad was going to be making the money that he used to make, which is, you know, so we're going to have to change our lifestyle a little bit, but this is because, you know, we really feel that God is calling him to, to do this instead. Wow. And, um, it was a good example. I, I hope to my kids in terms of, you know, following what you're called to do, not just what pays the most money. Wow. Uh, and I, I tweet about that fairly often. Uh, I try to put out encouraging notes, like do not follow the money. You know, I've got a friend who went to school to become a chemical engineer, worked there uh, for like a year or two. And it was like, yo, this sucks. <laughs> and, but the whole time he wanted to be a chiropractor, but he followed, you know, what he thought would be like, quote unquote, uh, you know, better career in terms of, you know, whatever with, with money. But he realized like, listen, it's in my heart to be a chiropractor. I'm gonna go be a chiropractor. And so he just reset his whole life, went to chiropractor school and started all over again. Wow. And so I try to encourage people as much as possible. Like don't follow you know, what seems, don't always follow the logic, follow your heart, you know? Mm. So anyways, so with my wife's blessing, cause there's no way that I was going to be doing this unless she was completely on board mm. um, with her blessing. We decided to give it a year. So, okay, let's try doing 26 shirts full time for a year and we'll see what happens. Cause when I left Roswell, they'd given me a one year's uh, health insurance. And so that was like a nice little safety net, you know, to work through. Really? Some of stuff. Yeah. 
And, you know, within six months we had to hire somebody because, because I should say, Dan, he owns, he owns two businesses. He owns you and who, which is my business. And he owns 19 ideas, which is his, uh, his marketing. And this is the guy who would print shirts for you, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it really was like a boutique shirt company, I should say. Like it was really small potatoes. And I don't mean that negatively. It was we we described it as like a hobby, you know, before yeah. I started doing this whole time. Sure. Yep. Um and uh so it was just me, you know, at the office at, at that point. And I said, let's, you know, let's do it for a year. And within six months, we had to hire somebody just because the work was becoming too much. It really just needed somebody paying attention to it full time. Wow. And now you fast forward to 2021. And in February, we hired our fourth full-time employee. Plus we have a part-time employee. Wow. Dan and me as well. So um, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. Yeah. And I I encourage our listeners just to go check out just their website at 26shirts.com. You guys have so many different shirts and all all the different places that you're raising money for and just the causes that you're doing. It's awesome. And it's so cool to see. So I I don't know if you have the numbers up to date and I'm totally throwing this your way. And if I got to edit this out, I can edit this out. But how many shirts do you think you guys have made and how much money have you guys helped fundraise? Well, I can definitely answer the second one easily because we have a real-time update on our website. So as of right now, it's $1,122,903. Wow. That's incredible. As for total shirts, um, I think if I'm looking at this, isn't even, it's, it's more than this, but it's at least 140,419 shirts we've sold. That's awesome. That is so cool. And, and t- tell our listeners, what are some of the shirts like what that you guys print? Like, what do they look like? Um, design, stuff like that. I know you talked a little about it, but what do they, what do they look like? Yeah. So they're inspired by, you know, professional football in Buffalo and professional hockey in Buffalo and the city itself, you know, obviously, you know, we're respectful of intellectual property. And so we're not going to just emblazon a a Sabres logo or a Bills logo on, you know, on the shirts. So they're, you know, often they're parodies or like I said, they're, they're inspired by, but we're really careful to make sure that we're not using, you know, the team's intellectual property or their trade dress or anything like that. Um, which for me personally, like my whole life, I've always gravitated more towards the stuff that you buy on the other side of Abbott Road. <laughs> you know, it's, that's just always how I've been. I've always wanted the different and unique stuff. I mean, I have you know shirts in my in my in my closet with just Bills logos that you know I bought from NFL Shop or whatever. But um, I've always really gravitated more towards like that that artistic um, expression. Cool. Uh, you know, so. Um, so I guess in terms of what they look like, it, it, you know, uh, we've done, you know, a bunch of parodies are really one of the easiest things we do the, you know, the most, you know, even right now today we launched uh, a couple of shirts based on the blue Jays playing in Buffalo. And while it's not actually a blue Jays logo, it's inspired by it. So it's a Buffalo head that is kind of stylized like the blue Jays logo. Okay. And, and so we, that's our most, that's our best selling shirt we've done ever. we launched that last year. So we just released cool. the remix of it today. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I, again, I, I'll mention to our listeners, go check out his website and all the things they're doing there. It's awesome. And you can see in real time as well, just the money that they're help helping fundraise. It's amazing. So well, Del, there's so your life has changed really in the last really 10 years, very different than what it was even 10 years ago. And I'd love to 
to you just to take us through just your journey of how you came to know Christ. And that's what's different about this podcast versus other podcasts is we love hearing people's faith journeys and how they came to know Christ. So you're already a huge impact, as we know, in the city of Buffalo. But how did how did Christ impact your life? How how did that begin? Yeah, Uh, so I wasn't really raised in a, a, you know, a, a Christian home. I know my mom would probably be upset if I said if she heard me saying that because she took us to church and stuff. But, <laughs> like but the the church that we were going to didn't really like, you know, explain to me how, you know, how, how the Bible lays out the gospel in terms of how Christ died for our sins and how uh, he's the only way to heaven. Hmm. And, and so um, in terms of my journey, you know, in 1990, 14 year old me, um, I have that right. Yep. 14 year old me, uh, had, was working his first or second job and somebody basically shared that with me and, 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 you know, bless her heart. She was, she was, she was a little, uh, forthcoming with it. A little, a little too, uh, brazen, sure. uh, yeah, kind of freaky. And she was sharing some things, which over the, you know, over the years now I've learned, like, maybe that's not a hundred percent biblical <laughs> or whatever. Sure, sure, sure. That's the, experience. But, yeah. But the gist of it though, was, you yeah. know, you need, you need Jesus and it doesn't matter, you know, what you've done, you know, there's, it doesn't matter, you know, anything about you, you know, we're all sinners. We all need Jesus. Right. And, and, uh, that kind of stuck with me. So even though through all of the, everything else that was going on there with, with her presentation, uh, that st- I knew somehow like right away, I knew it was real. I knew it was true. Mm. And, you know, but why do you think that was, what, what stood out to that, to you in that moment? I, I can't, it was in my heart, man. You know, mm. you know, the, the Bible says no one can come to, to, to God unless the, the spirit draws them. Mm. And I don't know exactly how that works. You know, I'm not a theologian. I'm not, uh, anything like that. I've never, I don't never went to Bible school <laughs> or anything. I just listened to the sermons and I've, you know, read in my own time, but, um, I just, I don't know. It was confirmed in my heart almost immediately. Like this is the way it's, this is, this is, this is it. This is, this is the truth. Wow. And, uh, so over the next, you know, five years, periodically, God continued to, to bring people across my path that would, you know, you know, share the gospel with me, maybe in a new way or a different way, or, or maybe explain more. And like I said, um, I always knew it was real, but at the same time, like I would, also, like I was a teenager, man. Like I don't want to give up like all these other things I was doing. I, yeah, I didn't want to. I thought I had. I thought I had to give up my music. I thought I had to give up watching movies. I had to. Um, I, 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 the way I was interpreting it was that it was to become a Christian, you had to give stuff up. Mm. You're boring. So, was that boring? Boring, yeah, boring. But just like, just I thought it was about what you don't have as opposed to you know what what God gives you. Yeah. Hmm, that's and um, fast forward a couple of years, I got mixed up into some things that, you know, weren't really constructive. Hmm. Started, you know, drinking a bunch, started, you know, I was smoking pot every day. Um, you know, and, and just speaking from experience, like some people can do that and be functional, I, I guess. You know, like I knew people that like that were my peers that were going to school and having jobs and stuff. That's not, that's not the way I'm wired. So I, I was just, I was burning out, man. I, I, I burned out. Um, 
and I just gotten uh, out of a you know, a year long relationship with a girlfriend. Hmm. I'm really just down. Just at this point now, I'm 19. It's October 1995, hmm. and about you know about to about to turn 20 in a couple months, and just kind of just didn't have any direction. I, I'd gotten kicked out of college. Um, I went to Buff State for a year and was too distracted with other things. And so I got kicked out of there and then uh, went to ECC for a semester and uh, was put on probation after a semester. So I figured maybe this college thing isn't for me. Mm. And uh, that's what I was thinking at the time. Sure. And, uh, I was, you know, living with my parents, no direction, working at the gas station and just, just kind of like muddling along. Now, through this whole time, about six months prior, this uh, uh, a good friend of mine who I'd known forever, you know, we used to, you know, party together all the time. He kind of fell off the face of the earth. Mm. And so a bunch of us, you know, I mean, a bunch of people were saying, hey, did you hear about Chris? Dude's a Christian now. And like, what a loser, you know, all that stuff. And so, but for me, I was like, oh my gosh, now I have someone on the inside <laughs> who can maybe like, cause I knew I, I, I've known this dude forever. And I was like, okay, now maybe I can get like a straight answer about some of this stuff, you yeah. know? And, um, and so he would, yeah, I was like I said, I was working at the gas station. He would stop in like for hours at a time. And I didn't realize what he was doing at the time. Like he was, he was, you know, you know, quote unquote witnessing to me, you know, he was sharing his faith and I, I would pick his brain. Like, I was like, what about this? What about this? Cause at this point it's been five years. I've been kind of thinking about it here and there, you know, I said, you know, what about this? What about this? And, um, so, and he was super gracious and he took the time and he shared, he's like, and if he didn't know things, he would say, I have no idea. I, I don't know. And that's one thing I think a lot of people don't realize as Christians, like it's okay to not know the answer. Right. You know, people think they have to debate everybody. Sure. Um, yeah. It's, they don't have to know the answer. You don't have to know the answer. I mean, try and find it out. If somebody asks you, like do them a solid and say, I don't know, but I'll try and find out for you. Right. But so anyways, uh, it, it was uh, at this point now it's October, 1995. I was just getting off a shift at NOCO and you know, we were going to go out for coffee. Cause that, I couldn't do that now, dude, 19 years old. Like my night used to start at 11, dude, like 10 o'clock nowadays. I'm like, I'm ready for bed. You hear that Bill's mafia. This is the founder of Bill's mafia. He's, he's, he's got a bedtime. He's, a oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm open about it on Twitter, man. Like I'm old. I don't care. <laughs> um, hilarious. And, and so and so we go out for, uh, we went out for coffee at Denny's and cool. he, he continues to share with me like deeper than he ever had at that point. Now I realize he's given me like the Romans road. I didn't realize what he was talking about at the time at the time, but he's talked about how, you know, you know, we're all sinners, you know, but you know, Jesus is God's gift to us. There's nothing we can do to, to earn, you know, our, a trip to heaven really is just a gift. That's it. Right. And, and so, you know, and he, and so I, I'm like super interested. And then I was like, dude, this is, this is wild. Um, I got to pee. <laughs> so I, got, I get up, I go to the bathroom and I'm washing, I'm washing my hands and looking in the mirror and the, I like, I saw myself in the mirror, but like, I saw myself. It's like a defining moment in life. I mean, obviously, right? What we're talking about here, but um, I like saw myself in the mirror, mm. and I was like, "What are you doing with your life? You know, what are you doing?" Mm. And 
So uh, the best I could right there, um, I, I said, you know, what, basically the sinner's prayer, you know, like God, you know, forgive me. Wow. You know, I, I want you, Jesus. I don't know what this means, but you know, and I was parroting some of the stuff that I heard, like wash me in, wash me in the blood. <laughs> and, um, and I want to, I want to do this with you. Wow. That's basically what I said. And I, I walked out of that bathroom, like with a huge smile that I couldn't really like stop. And so I get back at the table. And first thing Chris says is, what took you so long? <laughs> 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 what took you so long? And I'm like, dude, I think I, I think I just, I think I just got saved. Wow. And I always joke how I felt bad because I kind of stole his thunder. Cause that's one thing that, you know, everybody wants to do if they're sharing the gospel. Right. They want right. to be able to, you know, reap that. But, sure. um, and I explained to him, he's like, yeah, dude, I think you just became a Christian, you wow. know, if you meant it. He, he grilled me a little bit for a couple. He's like, well, do you understand this? This, like, yeah. And, and so, and, and listen, everybody's journey is different. Everybody's experience is different, you know, when it comes to this. Right. But all I can say is from that point on, um, I, I, I stopped, like, I, I, I stopped smoking weed. I stopped, um, Wow. You know, par- partying like I like I was. I stopped. I stopped seeking a buzz mm. and started to kind of like face life. Wow! And ended up, you know, within a a, a few months, I got uh, I got back into college. And it took me a little bit longer because at this point now I had ruined a couple opportunities. So I had to go through yeah. academic clemency with Buff State and um and take the long longer path now because now as I'm older, it wasn't easy to just go full time like it was earlier. So, sure. Sure. um, but I ended up get, graduating from Buff State and wow. ECC and then Buff State, I should say. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, there's so much stuff that's happened in, you know, since then, um, most importantly, you know, I, I met a wonderful woman and, you know, we have two amazing kids and, uh, one of whom is graduating, from high school next month. And wow. Congratulations. That's so exciting. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Like there's part of me is like, I did it. I did it. <laughs> I did it. And she's like fully functioning member of society almost. And like somehow, you know, I say I did this. Holy cow. Who am I kidding? My wife <laughs> most of the lifting here. You did <laughs> it again. <laughs> I, I, I didn't kill her. I didn't kill her. I didn't, I didn't ruin this person's yeah. life, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, cause I, I just remember like back before, you know, I, you know, I accepted Christ when I was kind of in those doldrums, just burned out, just figuring I was going to live in a, 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 a small apartment or whatever the rest of my days and just playing video games and whatever. <laughs> um, you're laughing, but that's what I thought, dude. <laughs> oh, no, no. Yeah. No, it's going to be like, I'm just going to struggle and I'm just going to, you know, as long as I can, you know, find my buzz, I'm fine. Yeah. But, um, but now when I look back at how different my life is, as opposed to what I thought my life was going to be when I was 19. Like I'm, I'm so grateful and it just, it, it's just, it's insane. It's crazy. Wow. Yeah. And I can see just the impact that you've, you've made not only here um, and just looking out for others. I think that's incredible. And God's uh, I've mentioned this before, but God's given you an incredible, incredible platform and um, even just blessing your family. I mean, your daughter's about to graduate high school, but it's, it's amazing. It's an amazing opportunity for her. And um, I'd love to know Dell with all the success that you've had. And there's been times where it's been hard for you as well. Um, 
I'd love to ask what are, what are some things uh, that you would you would say to our listeners of being being a follower of Christ when you have success versus not having success? I would say be sure to to lean on the Lord during the success as much as you feel drawn to during the times of no success. Mm. Because uh, there were times, you know, throughout this past five years, like um, I can talk about it now. It's you know four years later. I, there was times I was driving home from from uh, from the office thinking, "Okay, God, we got to make payroll. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> don't know how we're gonna do this, right. um, and, and, and stuff like that." You know, because I I, I don't I was never a business owner, and like I said, this business that you know when Dan was running it was it's like a hobby business. But as we we're turning it into like a real actual business, sure. I'm, I'm still learning. I'm still learning. I don't have a business degree. I have a degree in computer information systems. <laughs> uh, so awesome. I, I, I'm not, people say like, you know, I hear that term serial entrepreneur. So I get invited onto a lot of like entrepreneur type podcasts and stuff. <laughs> And I'm like, listen, this is my one thing. This is it. Like, I'll, t- I'll tell you my story, you yeah. know, but like, I'm not like what happens after 26 shirts. I don't know, you know, death. That's it. <laughs> I have no idea. Like this is, this is the pathway for me right now. Yeah. Uh, but, but anyway, so like, but I, this is just kind of like, it's kind of like falling into my lap a little bit, but um, I, all every, every time I make a mistake, that's a learning opportunity for me with, with the business and everything. So that's good. Um, that's, that's how, that's the only way I've learned anything. My entire life is the hard way, but, um, but yeah, I would just say in terms of, sorry about the rambling there. You can cut. No, it not at all. This is a podcast. You're yeah. not any time. Yeah. You're good. Yeah. No. So my suggestion would be just to, to lean on God during the, the good times as much as, you know, you feel you have to in the bad times because mm. he's in control of all of it. You know, he's in control of all of it. No, amen. And I think there's there's a lot of things going on in the city and, and you're playing a big part of it. And I really do think God is revitalizing the city of Buffalo and the things that are going on even in the Bills locker room is awesome. And Coach McDermott at, at the, the the front of it is is leading just the Bills well on and off the field. And, and behind the scenes, you're doing a lot for this community as well. So I want to thank you for all that you're doing. And um, I, I'd love to ask a, just a follow-up from there in terms of the bills um i know that the bills do own the rights to bills mafia now um and but you're truly the godfather and the founder of it so even though you're not truly the 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 owner of bills mafia anymore uh what have you loved seeing about bills mafia and just all the movement going forward from bills mafia well the the bills one common misconception is listen the bills always owned bills mafia Right, because it has bills in it. And the right. example I always use is like, we couldn't sell all the shirts I've ever sold. Just say mafia. They don't say bills mafia. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I could never sell shirts to say Walmart dudes or, you know, uh, Burger King fans because it has those names in it already. You know, right. so um, right. they already owned it. So I know they, they, they trademarked the term and, and, and that's fine. Um, you know, and to their credit, they reached out to me, you know, beforehand as that was all coming together. So like, I don't know that took me by surprise. I know social media, like that that day back in October, that one Friday, people were freaking out because <laughs> they thought the bills were trying. No, to I remember paid. that it was crazy, and I know a lot of people were tweeting you and stuff like that. I'm sure your Twitter was going crazy that day. Yeah, I think some people thought I was dead or I got whacked or something <laughs> because I was actually doing something with the bills that day, filming something, and I wasn't on Twitter. And you know, people were like what? Like even I didn't tell my employees about any of this stuff as it was coming up because you know how that stuff works. You know, like, <laughs> you know, it wasn't like to sh- it wasn't mine to share yet. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> so my, my poor employee, Josh, the first guy we ever hired, um, he texted my wife like, what is going on? <laughs> um, but, but yeah, no. So it, it's, it, it's something they've already, they've always kind of owned anyways with bills, but sure. now they, they want to shepherd it a little bit, which is, which is always, you know, I never thought they would embrace it. Like I said, because of the loaded terms and everything. Right. Um, but I think it's cool that they have, and this is, this is, really like i don't want to say a dream come true because that's a little a bit much but uh, no, yeah. i mean maybe i don't know it's super cool it's super yeah. cool it's just i mean this is what it was if them people always wanted the bills to embrace the term they have and so now this is what it looks like yeah and, and you know it's it's the real deal and you know josh allen's leading the charge with it and be like mafia you know bill's mafia and you see kyle brand on nfl network and he's saying mafia mount up and stuff like that it's just it's crazy now it's a total movement and i real credit to you you started something that's really unique and, and really different most fans it's like like i know for me i'm a i'm a broncos fan at heart so it's like it's broncos country but you know like that's not as cool as Bill's Mafia. Bill's Mafia is truly unique and different. So at least it's not nation though. Like yeah. <laughs> that's the most overused term, you know, like oh man. <laughs> but yeah, no, but one thing though, one part of your question I wanna I wanna I wanna speak to because you opened up with asking me about tables, right? So I got yeah. one, you know. Um one thing I, I'm I'm really proud of, you know, my fellow fans, you know, is that how we as fans have really taken the moniker and turned it into something that means giving back to your fellow fans and looking out for your fellow fans and um, taking this power that we have and using it for good and, uh, and, and giving back to, you know, Oshai Children's Hospital or, so cool. um, you know, a Andy Dalton's foundation or, you know, pediatric cancer yeah. you know, foundations and stuff like that. Like that's, I think the the thing I most, proud of as a fan. And I don't take credit for that. I don't take credit for, you know, all those things that have, that have happened over the past several years under the name Bill's mafia, because that's how Bill's fans, that's how Western New Yorkers have always been. So I, I'm not here to, to, um, to take credit for that. I don't take, I certainly don't take credit for people thinking they should jump through tables. So it's not fair <laughs> if I take credit for the other thing. No, totally. But Bill's fans have the mind of their own and it truly is. It's the best way to describe them is, is as a mafia. I think they look out, they look out for the ones they love and those they don't love, man, the mafia, the other side of the mafia too comes out and I, as passionate fans. So, um, yeah, yeah I see it. I see it. So that's awesome. Well, yeah. as we're closing out, thank you again for joining, joining us today on, on the sweat room podcast um where can people find you and 26 shirts social media your website and so on yeah just um del reed on twitter d-e-l-r-e-i-d and then at 26 shirts across all the different platforms and 26 shirts.com yeah that's easy well del thanks again do you have any just final remarks and just words of encouragement for our listeners today yeah no just thanks for having me come on and this is you know uh it was really cool to be able to to you know to talk about all of this stuff with you and um just if if anybody's listening to this if for some reason like they uh for whatever reason you end up listening to this podcast just you know i i I feel like you know christians in general have just really gotten a bad rap over the past you know well maybe a couple thousand years (laughs) from a lot of different people but it's all about love man it's all about love and anything else you see any under that, under that banner, under that name, uh, you know, 
if it's not done in, you know, with love, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, if all, if anything has been ha- has happened under that, under the name of Christianity that wasn't done in love, mm-hmm. um, then that, that person was kind of doing it on their own, right. you know, and That's so good. it just breaks my heart, you know, and cause we should be loving each other. I do my best. I do my best to love anybody that crosses my path or my timeline on Twitter or my mentions. I try I do my best to love them. Yeah. That's, that's all I can do. And then oh, that's so good. That's and, the end. And that's what, I mean, even Jesus, when the, the greatest commandment out there, he said, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. And second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself and comes down to loving God and loving people. And that's what God's all about. So great, mm-hmm. great last words. So Dell, thank you again for joining us. Uh, look forward to talking to you soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, dude. Such a fun episode with Dell today. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. And something that stood out to me today was follow what you were called to do, no matter what makes the most money. I think oftentimes we don't know what God is going to use. I think what's funny is what started out as a joke turned into Dell's passion and to Dell's life and his livelihood. And now we looking back, 26 Shirts has managed to raise and donate over a million dollars. That's incredible. Guys, you never know what God will use to open doors and lead you to where he wants to go next. Such a fun episode. And next week, we're continuing this Bills Mafia movement. We're continuing our Buffalo Bills series with the Ferguson brothers, Reed and Blake Ferguson. They just started a podcast. Blake is a long snapper for the Miami Dolphins, but we're going to rope him in with this Buffalo Bills series. Why not? So excited for next week's episode. It's going to be coming fresh off the griddle, so no excerpt this week. So really excited for that conversation. You don't want to miss it. And we'll see you next week, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Sweat Room Sports and Faith Podcast. We hope you enjoyed. If you'd like to stay connected with us, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Watermark Sports, on Twitter at Sweat Room Pod, and our new blog at watermarkwesleyan.com slash blog. Until next time, get it, got it, and give it. Thanks for listening to the Sweat Room, a podcast of Watermark Wesleyan Church. 